Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 234, recorded live at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by... Hey, be part of the Herbal Nerd Society. They help support this podcast and Herbs in Action. So you can join them today at HerbalNerdSociety.com. To pickle or ferment, that is the question. For the home herbalist, it's a really good one, too. One is quick and easy while the other turns food into better medicine. But takes longer, is the fermented is medicine of fermented foods really helpful? Today we're talking about pickling and fermenting your summer's harvest. If you'd like to let your food be your medicine, then strap in and join us for this fully fermented ride. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Radio. To hey, pickle Patrick. or to not pickle? That is the question. <laughs> Will there be nobler in the in- mind to pickle? Oh. oh, I was going to say it would be better to be nobler in the crock. In the crock. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> oh, you so. know your Shakespeare. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I have a good teacher, um, someone um, that, I don't know, did you teach Someone that read it in the original Klingon? Oh, God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not okay. only am I dated, but now everyone knows I'm totally a science fiction You're geek. geek. I've been trying to hide that for a while. For and years. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, so I love me some pickles and and I wanted to know too, I guess I think most people might be thinking about, you know, what is the difference between pickles and fermentation? That is a really mm. good question. I spent a lot of my life not really knowing the difference because we called them all the same thing. Pickles right. were – they're dill pickles or they're pickles, but either way, they probably had dills, so I never knew. Right. So would that be like pickling? Pickling is actually so the difference between them between pickle and fermented foods. Okay, fermented foods, mm-hmm. at least fermented vegetables, which okay. is what we're going to talk about now. Okay, not beer making people. Not beer making and okay. not cheese fermentations okay. or kefir fermentation. Strictly vegetables. Not bread making. Okay, strictly vegetables. We're just going to stick to the vegetables since okay. it's summer and we're harvesting a lot. Okay, right. right. So fermented foods like dill pickles that you make in a crock on the counter, mm-hmm. those are technically both. Pickled and fermented. Okay. So the idea behind behind pickling or what pickling is is submerging your vegetables or your fruits, whatever you're doing, into a vinegar or otherwise acetic brine. Okay. It's often called a brine, but it's a solution, an acid solution. And usually that acid solution is like 5 or 6 percent-ish. Like a vinegar. Like a vinegar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, vinegar. So – when you do that, then that preserves the the vegetables and it changes. It has a specific set of like chemical reactions and stuff that happen with it. When you ferment, you don't use vinegar. You use salt, sometimes accompanied by water, sometimes not. It kind of depends on how juicy your you know, fruits and vegetables are. When I make sauerkraut through the winter even in our climate, a lot of times my cabbage doesn't require a brine because it's juicy enough to create its own. So, you know, but salt is key here because salt changes which microbes are going to be able to thrive in that environment. Mm -hmm. It preserves, but by at the same time, the breakdown of the vegetables begins to happen and then they naturally turn into a acetic brine. So that's why sauerkraut, for instance, is sour because it's pickled, but it was pickled because it was fermented, not because you put... So uh, vinegar in it. Oh, okay. Makes sense? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so based on that, you could have – you could have – if I'm understanding correctly, right? You could have pickles that were fermented. Yes. And pickles that were 
Yes, exactly. So, like, when you go to the fancy pants, really expensive artisan restaurant where they, like, talk about how they do everything fresh that day and all the eggs have names mm-hmm. and all of that stuff and it's really fancy, like, in Portlandia. Mm-hmm. They usually garnish it or they will often garnish it with those lovely, delicious pickled red onions, right? Right. And you think, oh, wow, this this tastes so good. It's so wonderful. They must have really slaved for this. No, actually, a few hours ago, like three or four hours maybe before you arrived, they cut up some onions and they put them into the vinegar. Okay. Depending on the recipe, they may have added a little bit of um, cooking to the mix. They may have heated them a little bit to you know boost move the process faster. But it's essentially onions steeped in vinegar for the day with some possible spices. Okay, and, so it's a pickle. And um, like Indian pickles, when you yeah. go to the Indian restaurant and they have all those delicious chutneys, those you know they're making that right there, right? Right. But then there's the pickles, and they're so good. A lot of those, majority of those, are made within 24 hours of being served. They're being made with a lemon. In that case, oftentimes a lemon juice. What's the? I mean, what's the shelf life? I mean, is there a difference? Like the vinegarized, the vinegar pickling, I guess, would be. Um... They last both about the same. You know, pickles, something that's just been pickled versus something that's been fermented. As long as we're talking about a fermentation that happened correctly, you know, no weird stuff happened, it'll get to about the same amount of vinegarization. If you've ever done like dill pickles on the counter, you notice that the first day when you first get them, you can hardly wait to eat them. You eat them and there's a little bit of pickle flavor to them, but they're not quite as, you know, there's a little bit more saltiness flavor to them. And you probably realize, oh, I probably could have waited another day or even two. But then a week and a half later, if there's any left, you'll notice they're considerably more sour than they were mm-hmm. when you had that first one. Right. And that's because with fermented on-the-counter crock-style fermenting, it continues to get more sour and it continues to ferment and change. With a pickle-style pickle, you know, just like canned dill mm-hmm. pickles, for instance – they stay exactly as they are. Right. And so I, you, yeah, you can them up and that's what they're going to be. And they'll be that same flavor, that same level of acidity when you open them up in a few months okay. or if you open them up and have them in your refrigerator for a while. Right. Okay. That's why you seem to get to store pickles in the fridge forever and they don't really go bad. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So aside from um, you know, the, benefits of, you know, the benefits of pickling that you said was fast and easy – um, what are some other benefits of, of, of pickling? Yeah, there's not just – it's not just – we pickle not just because it's fast and easy. I mean it is and that's awesome. Right. It makes it easier. But we also pickle things because the process of pickling causes the vegetables that are immersed in the acetic mm-hmm. you know, thing to start to break down and change. As a part of that process, digestive enzymes are released – and those digestive enzymes, kind of like the supplements that like people have been totally touting about how, yeah, like if you have any gassiness after you eat, you should have these supplements or, mm-hmm. you know, that's... Yeah, those enzymes. Yeah, from, those from enzymes. Some of those companies. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So those enzymes are along the same lines as what gets released automatically or naturally when you pickle something. So have a pickle, not an enzyme. Yeah. Potentially. There are a small number of people who truly do actually need those supplements. Sure. But for the most part, a vast majority of the people who are buying them and taking them yeah. probably would be healthier if they were using pickles and fermented foods 
as well as a variety of other dietary choices that are probably important mm. for them. Right. You know. So you've got your enzyme, digestive enzymes that happen as a part of the pickling process. You also have that sour flavor. And that's really an important flavor in terms of um, health and well-being. If you don't have sour in your diet, you, you are more likely to be encountering digestive problems. The sour flavor triggers a whole chain of chemical reactions throughout your digestive system. And it does begin in your mouth. Sour will make you salivate. Most people will notice that. And then that continues down through your whole entire digestive tract. The part where sour, according to like Ayurveda and TCM and other traditional herbal systems, the part where sour really does the most work is on the early part of um, digestion. It helps trigger bile release and that sort of thing. So eat your pickle, people, before you have your burger and fries. Yes. Because they always give you yes. that pickle wedge. Or, yes, that's exactly. Or if you go to the sandwich place, that's exactly. Pickle, like, well, why is that a pickle wedge? Well, now we know. Yes, that's exactly why it's there because those foods are often a little bit high in fats and the pickle will just get your body started with the digestion so your stomach's ready for it. And so the rest of the digestive tract can break it down much more easily. See, there you go. Explains it. Cool. Yeah. So fermented foods. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Oh, there's a couple okay. other things I want to – I mean because there's – pickling has so many things. You know, you know vinegar matters, right? Because I mean yes. if yes. you use crappy white vinegar, maybe have a different flavor if you use really, you know, like – you know, you Flavor, know. yeah. There's a difference in the flavor. If you're pickling something that's a really lightly flavored food, then I can see where someone may want to go with a white vinegar. That isn't necessarily a horrible thing. White vinegars are usually a grain-based vinegar. Um, if – you can. It's rare. I haven't personally seen a lot of natural, not pasteurized white vinegars. Right. Typically, the unpasteurized vinegars that I see on the market, like at the grocery store, are apple cider apple vinegar. Cider vinegar yeah. And apple cider vinegar with the mother in it, which yeah. really just means it's still a live culture, is going to have more probiotics in it. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to pickle your cucumbers or your lemon or your whatever, your onions – and you choose the apple cider vinegar with the mother in it, you're adding a little bit of the probiotics that you might otherwise not get unless you were doing a full fermented style pickle. Mm -hmm. So that's really much better for you. On the other hand, if your only choice is white vinegar, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. No, I mean, you, know, you have to be practical, right? You have to go right. with what you have. Don't exactly. just say, oh, I can't pickle today. I have to go get, yes. you know, my mother contained yeah. apple cider vinegar. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, as, as we talk about on, you know, Real Herbals Radio, the Pilot Herbalist, you know, how to get herbs involved. Could you use um, herbal vinegars that, we, that we've had, had people make? Yes, you could use an herbal vinegar for pickling if you wanted. Yeah. Essentially, a pickle is about the same thing as an herbal vinegar. So what's happening when you're pickle, when you've got your cucumber mm -hmm. in your brine or you're in your, in your vinegar, is that the cucumber is beginning breaking, getting to break down. The acid of the brine solution is preventing it from rotting. So it's killing off the bad bacteria that would create rotting. And it's encouraging the enzymes of that naturally occur when the cucumber begins to break down. Mm -hmm. It's encouraging those to develop and it's encouraging the beginnings of um, – it's not doesn't do probiotics specifically, but it, it encourages that, that transfer of nutrition or nutrients from the pickle into the juice. So, which is the same thing that's happening when you put your cleavers into 
a thing of apple cider vinegar and infuse it. Okay. And the cleavers you leave in there for quite a while, and pretty much as much as possible of the nutrients get transferred out. All that's left, hopefully, if you've if you've been fortunate and it's all worked out the way you want it to, when you strain the cleavers out, all that you're taking out is essentially the fiber. So if you have a pickle, like a dill pickle that's just, you know, vinegar-style dill pickle, and you drink the juice from that, you're actually doing your body... Good. So, okay. So I was, you know, I, everyone, when you think pickling, you always think the pickle. But what you're really saying is when you infuse herbs in vinegar, you're pickling them. Yes. That's oh. exactly what you're doing. Okay. Yep. So aside from the benefits, which is it's a little fast and easy, um, it stimulates digestion. Um, the vinegar you choose matters, of course. And you can, this is the same process for um, doing herbal vinegars. So what are the benefits of the fermented variety? So, yeah, because we cover pickling and that just seems like, you know, relatively easy yeah and a lot of the health benefits of pickling are also there in in your um fermented fermented ones okay so what other benefits do fermenting fermentation of vegetables have when you ferment vegetables you increase the you do two things for one thing a lot of times the bio the nutrients become more bioavailable okay and then the other thing that happens is you have a live culture of friendly microbes that you're creating essentially okay and so as the friendly microbes create their culture and do their fermentation work, the first thing they actually do technically with fermented foods is turn it into alcohol, which they then immediately turn into vinegar. And it's a combination of two different types of microbes whose names I always forget, but it's two little microbes that work together. Yeast is one of them, and then I forget the the name of the acidifiers. Okay. okay. So they work together to do that, and you, when you eat this stuff are taking in those microbes. So you're improving your microbiome. Your microbiome is the microbes living in your gut. Right. right microbes right. living in your gut do the vast majority of the work of digesting your food. Mm-hmm. You know, your teeth and all of that do some, but by the time it gets down into your gut, it's that's where all the chemical reactions, the majority of the chemical reactions are happening. So you want to make your microbiome really happy and healthy, fermented foods, delivers to them the stuff that makes them really happy and healthy. So you're feeding your gut properly with fermented foods. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. And then the other thing that happens in the process of them doing what they do, the chemical reactions they do will often break down and change the nutritions or the nutrients that are in the food such that it becomes easily easy for your body to absorb it. So particularly for people who have had problems with absorption or who have been through a course of antibiotics, for instance, where their microbiome has been harmed <clears throat> or, or damaged or whatever. They're going to do better with a little bit of fermented foods to kind of give their gut a boost. So vinegars are really important in pickling, um, but it seems like when you were saying earlier that um, the biggest difference, of course, is using the usage of salt. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, and- can you just go grab some table salt and throw it in? Uh, you can. It's pre- preferable not to use an iodized table salt because iodine prevents fermentation, or it's a preservative um, that, again, prevents pr- fermentation. You can get away with things like sea salt and kosher salt. It's best if you can do, in my opinion anyway, it's best if you can do um, a, one of the salts that are as unprocessed or minimally processed as possible because those tend to have more minerals in them. Is there... um. You know, I'm familiar with like the kosher salt and sea salt, but is there a yeah. different salt that um, that you, you would recommend? Usually, 
I found those salts. Uh, there's one particular one brand in Utah. Oh yeah. That I uh, there's one particular brand in Utah that I have liked. It's called Real Salt. Okay. And um, that one has a lot of minerals. It's mined mined from Utah's, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. I've seen yeah. that, and we've used that before. Yeah. And that, we've got that at natural grocers. Before. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's the salts that are like the Himalayan ones and the. I can't remember. There's a whole bunch of fancy I'm gonna fancy salts, fancy, fancy pants, pants salts. Yeah, fancy pants salts. I don't know if your average, you know, piggly wiggly has those ones or not. Mm-hmm. But I believe they do. No. At the very least, I would aim for sea salt over table salt. Right. Fancier salt I can get, the better. Right. Yeah, it makes that makes sense. Um, so that's interesting. And uh, um, there are some other really cool digestive things that – because of the enzymes that, it, that they create. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Would, can you go through the other – the last the big the, – So there's three the, major enzymes that are created. And during it, this process? During this process, yeah. And it happens both with pickled and with fermented foods. Although my understanding – and I don't have hard, fast science on it, but my understanding is that the enzymes can tend to be a little bit higher in number in fermented foods than in pickled foods. Okay. So there's three types, essentially. They're the amylase, protease, and lactase. Okay. And I probably totally mispronounced those words. No, I think but, you did it. But they're the ones that a lot of us have seen when we're reading anything relating to nutrition. Mm-hmm. Those three enzymes are really, really important for us as we digest to help us break down the foods and move, turn them into mo- microbes that our gut can safely absorb. Um, so that's what you're looking for, and that's why you'd want to use those. The supplement companies right now are busy putting those into powdered form, into capsules, or powder that you sprinkle, I guess, on your yogurt. I'm not sure what people are using them, how they're using them exactly. But they're they're touting them for things like bloating and gas and intestinal tract um, cramping. Well, one of the things I like is, is like kimchi, and that really helps me with that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, kimchi and fermented foods will do a lot of that. Um, one of the things that, you know, we talk about salt, mm-hmm. and that's a trigger word for a lot of people. Yes. Oh, I'm going to too much salt, salt, salt. I have high blood pressure. Yeah. What, 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 do you, what do you say to that idea that salt is too much? There's a lot of conflict on that question. Um, there are plenty of professionals, researchers, doctors, whomever, that are saying things like no pickles for you because you're, you, know, you, hyper, you have hypertension, don't have mm-hmm. salty foods. We've got to reduce your sodium levels. And that's that is, I'm not contradicting them, but there's a whole other set of them that are saying, well, you know, the science shows that when people do things like have kimchi, mm-hmm. from, you know, naturally properly fermented kimchi, even though there's high levels of sodium, they're not seeing an increase. They're actually seeing a decrease in high blood pressure. When I look at kimchi, I think, well, there's an awful lot of potential things going on there. Researchers currently think perhaps there's more potassium that's made bioavailable and therefore absorbed by the individual in question. Mm-hmm. And potassium and sodium work together to govern certain um, gates, gateways in the cellular structures. 
And so if potassium's in the cell, then sodium's out and vice versa. So if you have enough potassium to balance your sodium, your blood pressure goes down. Mm-hmm. It's essentially the like uber simple version of what that means. So, so the other thing though that I would suggest is kimchi itself is filled with things that are anti-inflammatory. And high blood pressure is awful, often linked to infl- inflammation, systemic inflammation. So is kimchi helping these people reduce their blood pressure because of the ginger and garlic? Mm-hmm. Or is it doing it because of the potassium? I don't know. And there isn't enough research. Um, so if you're really salt sensitive, yes. like you just want to avoid it, can you can you ferment foods without you eating can. salt? You can. You can definitely ferment foods without, without including salt or with including very minimal amounts of salt. It's... I'm going to say it's a little bit more challenging. I haven't personally done it a lot myself. Oh, yeah, because we don't really think of it being a, an issue in our household. Right. For us, it's not a huge issue. But So I was thinking than- about my friend um, I was having drinks with the other day, and him and I were talking about um, he has high blood pressure. And he yeah. and I noticed on when he ordered – we had tater tots at, our, at this pub. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that he got like the, the lowest flavored tater tots. And I said, what's up? He said, oh, I have high blood pressure. Yeah. And I said, that's interesting. I said, look at you. You work out. You do all this stuff. You're really fit. And I said, look at me. I don't have that at all. Right. And I'm not saying – I mean, obviously, um, um, genetics has a lot to do with a lot of things. Yes. You know, and it, it runs in his family. But I'm wondering if, if, I, if I talk to him, I'll say, hey, have you thought about increasing your fermented foods in your diet and see if it re- naturally reduces your blood pressure? It would be a really interesting experiment. And if I, was, if I was in his position, I'd give it a try because how hard is that? Right. You know? How hard is that? Besides, if, I mean, like me, if you, if you, I, I come home and snack on kimchi if I can. Right. I right. love that stuff. Yes. So one of the challenges with trying to ferment without salt mm-hmm. is that you need to pull the juices out of the vegetables, and salt does a really, you know, yeah. job of that. Right. So you're going to have to figure out how to juice or get as much juice out as possible. Oh, like, wow. Squeeze the heck out of them, I'm that, thinking. Wow, and that still but wouldn't be a lot. It, it might be really challenging. A lot of people do things like add things like celery juice, which is, you know, good for fermenting. And honestly, celery juice would be a good thing if you were dealing with high blood pressure in particular. Um, I've seen other things like people using um, powdered powdered freeze-dried yogurt which should still have live probiotics in it or you know a small amount of yogurt to help start it if you were for instance to do a salt regular salt fermentation that you know came out nice and, and let it get good and sour so it's got a good strong set colony in it and then you used a little bit of that to get your help get your ferment started i think that would probably be really helpful I've also heard of people taking, um, getting probiotic capsules and mm-hmm. then opening them up and putting them in. Um, if there's anyone out there who has done or is interested in doing this, you know, definitely shoot me an email. Let me know how it went because I haven't done low salt ferments myself. Okay. But I have, I've read a little bit here and there about them. But there is a way. But there is a way. So there's so many different things between the two types of um, pickling and fermenting. Um, why are they really just so beneficial? Part of it is that getting your digestive started, the sour portion of it. One of the things that's nice about fermented foods, 
as opposed to pickles is that fermented fermented foods seem to be able to cover up the bitter flavor a lot easier or a lot better. Okay. So bitter is an important flavor in our digestive process because it helps to trigger the detoxification. It supports the detoxification aspect of what our liver does. Mm -hmm. So it'll, in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda too, I suppose, but Chinese medicine really, they talk about it draining toxins out. So your liver's job is to send in the bile and then take the like stress hormones and various other hormones and things and convert them. It goes through like a two-stage conversion process to get them into a, a form that you can then expel safely so your body can process them the rest of the way out. The sour part helps with the initial, the bile mm -hmm. portion, and the bitter part supports that detoxing and, and breaking down of chemicals part. With pickling, you tend to taste the bitter more. It's more in your face. But with fermenting, at least my my experience of it is, but with fermenting, you get a nice balance between the two. So you get both bitter and sour without having to taste as much of the bitter. So either way, you're supporting your digestive system and you're supporting your liver, which does a lot of work to eliminate toxins. So so that's one important benefit. Right, <laughs> right. Um, what I was thinking of too is, you know, what we've been hearing especially this year, a ton, um, and it's obviously the latter part of the, the first phase of COVID, was, you know, people with healthy immune systems mm -hmm. were able to yeah. fend off most of the, the um, major symptoms that yes. COVID has been, been responsible for. And that is part of why good fermented foods and good digestion is so important, because if you've got a strong, healthy gut with a strong, healthy microbiome, you also tend to have an immune system that's well-supported and less reactive. So pretty much good health begins in your gut. You feed your gut well, you take good care of your microbiome, your microbiome will tend to take good care of you. There's also a link between your microbiome's health and mood disorders like you know anxiety, depression, bipolar, and irritability, anger, mood swings. Mm -hmm. And part of that link is they're still in the process of studying that. But one of the things that researchers have noted is that if someone has like Crohn's disease or IBS, irritable bowel syndrome or disorder, mm -hmm. and they aren't responding well to traditional treatments, sometimes by giving them an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety drug, they'll find that person responds well. And they used to think that the anxiety or depression was causing the digestive disorder. But now they're starting to reverse their thinking and they're starting to recognize what I think most herbalists have known, been knowing or have been like recognizing for centuries at this point, which is health begins in the gut. If your gut is in good shape, you tend to be less likely to have mood swings, less likely to be succumbing to emotional swings uh, or emotional changes like that, as well as less likely to get flus and colds and other illnesses. You're also less likely to have systemic inflammation if you take really good care of your gut. Systemic inflammation is, we don't know if it's the reason why we get diseases or if it's a result or a side effect of diseases, but it's strongly linked to a vast majority of the diseases that we face right now. So things like Alzheimer's and dementia. 
and various other multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's, so nervous system-related stuff. It's also linked with PMS, menopause, and the very extreme versions of those, infertility, endometriosis. Um, there's like fibromyalgia. There's in inflammation or systemic inflammations linked with that. Circulatory diseases like um, heart disease and you know, high blood pressure and low blood pressure are both linked to inflammation. Pretty much any diseases, you're probably going to find there's a pretty strong link to systemic inflammation. So take care of your gut. You're going to do a better job of reducing inflammation throughout your whole body. So now that we know that we should be eating pickled <laughs> and fermented foods, and it, it seems to me that um, from what you're saying, I would probably go with the fermented side of things. If me, you can, if yeah. You, you know. If you can, I think it's um, nice. But pickles aren't bad. No, I'm not. I, I, I like my pickles. You know, <laughs> you know, I get that. Aunt um, Patty's icebox pickles. It's pretty good. Yeah, and you can whip them up. Right. Hours so, before the party. Now that I know this, how do I get my hands on some fermented foods? You have, most people have two options. The first option, if you are fortunate, is that you can go to the grocery store and you can get live fermented foods. Usually you're going to find them in the refrigerator section. Oh, yeah. They're not cheap, though. They're not cheap. <laughs> that, that, that's why I'm saying you have two options. And the first one is if you're lucky. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you're lucky and you can find it, if you're lucky and that's affordable for you. It is potentially a good place to start while you're waiting for the second option to really kick in. And the second option is to bake your own. You can ferment your own foods at home. It's not that hard. There's loads of different recipes out there but it's really honestly you can do it pretty basically i mean did you have a i know in, in your research on this i think you were looking at a book i saw you the other day yeah the one that i like that i've liked for fermented foods has been the wild fermentation by sander katz okay and part of why i like that is that he covers a really wide range of fermented foods so, you know, I personally like the kimchi and the sauerkrauts and the cabbage-based ferments, and I'm good. Right. But sometimes you get sick of that. Knowing how to make your own yogurt is awfully nice. Yeah. Being able to say, you know, I think I'm going to make some kvass. That would be great. Some what? Kvass. It's a drink, fermented drink. Oh, is it? Yes. Yes. Is this the next kombucha? It's kvass? Could be, could be. Okay, you have to tell me what that one is. But he also, I mean, he tells he he talks about those. He talks about kombucha. I mean, he covers a lot of different fermentations. And the reality is that if you are choosing to put fermented foods into your diet for health reasons, it's good to have a variety of them. So, eating kimchi every day for the rest day of your rest of your life isn't going to be bad for you, but it wouldn't be inadvisable <laughs> to maybe have kimchi this week, uh, but next week have some kombucha instead. Okay. Week yeah, after that, maybe do some yogurt. Just like anything else, when you do the same thing over and over again, your body responds, but then it kind of... Gets bored. It likes to be... I think, you know, your body is a definitely dynamic system and likes to change. It's like when yeah. we work out, we always are changing things up. Yeah. It's just like the plants. They respond better if there's a lot of different stimuli. Right. So, so what are your five tips for fermented foods here? Um, let's see here. My first tip would be to use nutrient-dense salt. Like that Utah that, that salt. Utah that you're salt about. or okay. one of those. That's right. going to give you more minerals, which, you know, that's always good. All right. And tip number two? 
Um, when you're making your brine, if you're if you're like you know, I'm doing a sauerkraut. Like I said before, my cabbage tends to be juicy enough to make its own. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I've got to top it off. So if I'm making a brine, I usually use a tablespoon of salt to a cup of water, which for the folks who are not on U.S. measurements is about 15 milliliters of salt and about 236 milliliters of water. And I wouldn't be surprised that the cabbage that you get the store is drier than the cabbage you're going to pull out of your garden. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, and the time of year makes a difference yeah. too, because you know how how fresh your cabbage is right. will matter. Okay, tip number three. I like adding spices to my things, like my sauerkrauts. Yeah, you know, every time I I, I, I look at the sauerkraut, and you know, there's like, what's in there now? That's, there's more than just caraway in there. Yes, yes, I've tried all kinds of interesting stuff. Caraway was good, but it actually fermented out much more bitter than I expected, and fennel did as well. Right, they were good, but. And star anise. I mean, oh my God, that ferments out. Cinnamon was actually really good in there Cinnamon, too. yeah. Those yeah. two have a lot of surprising amount of sweetness when they ferment it out. I've also done ginger and turmeric, and I've done them together, and I've also done them as individuals. Yeah. I wouldn't probably recommend powdered spices, would you? No. Usually if you can do dried, it's better. Like whole? Yeah. Dried and whole. Because you can then, like the... The star anise, for instance, a lot of times I don't end up eating the star anise itself. I give right. that to my dog. So what's the fourth tip? Uh, save the brine because at the end of the batch that you're on, you can take a little bit of that, that brine, the mm -hmm. fermented stuff, and you can pour that into the next one to give it a boost so it'll start. Like a starter. Yeah, it'll ferment faster. The other thing, too, is that it's really good for you. So I have done things like I made salad dressing. I had one ferment of kimchi that was much juicier than I expected. So when I got to the end, I had all this liquid. I mean, it was actually liquidy liquid. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up putting that into salad dressing and making, using it as the vinegar part of my salad dressing. Look at you. It was really so tasty. Practical. Tip five. Leave a ton of headspace. You can cover whatever you're doing loosely, but leave a lot of space at the top because fermentations can really bubble up. And headspace is the distance between yeah. the top of the, yeah, yeah. the liquid or vegetable yeah. space, and, and the cap. Yeah, space for the fermentation to rise up. And the as the as the gases build, they'll push things up, the food, but also the liquid level will go up. And mm -hmm. if you leave quite a bit at the top, then you don't have spillovers. So. All right. Well, now, I mean, after going through all of this stuff, I, geez, I, I'm telling you, it makes I me know. appreciate the stuff that we've been doing all along and makes me want even more some kimchi when I get home. Oh, I've got a kimchi challenge for you, actually. What? Yeah. A challenge? I challenge you to make some kimchi on your own. Me? Actually make it. No way. Because I've been the one doing all the fermenting. Well, I, think I know. Yeah, because you know, I've got stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I like eating it. <laughs> I know. That's part of my challenge, too, because okay. I make it, and then it's, like, gone. So challenge accepted in our herb chat next time um, for this show will be me talking about making of the kimchi. We'll see how you do. All we'll right. We'll see if the kimchi is tasty. Right? <laughs> As always, put, put an, an herb on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. 
You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.